and welcome back to Theo Thoughts, episode uh, numero dos, or number two. And uh, today, we are very excited to bring um, you our new episode. So, Yeah, it's going to be really great. If you didn't catch last week's, we talked about the creation account and our different interpretations about it. But today, like Jordan said, we're going to be talking about Jesus, uh, some of the disciples, acts of the disciples, and how it is unequivocally, undeniably a fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Amen, amen. And I, I deemed it sort of necessary and appropriate that we would talk about this because, you know, I was just thinking about it. You go to church every Easter, you go to church every week, and we accept this as fact every day of our lives. Um, but you look at the outside world and you're like, well, what's stopping them from believing? Exactly. And I, I believe that whenever you you take a look at all the facts and you take a look at all the, the evidence supported for the fact that Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. I'm using the word fact a lot, but rose a lot, rose from the dead. <laughs> Um, it's really, I think it's really interesting whenever you put it all together. So, yeah. And even looking at the different cultures around the world and different religions, many of the major religions all mention Jesus in some facet. I mean, it's, it's historical fact. Like if you, if you were to pull up a history book or talk to a historian, atheist or theist, they would tell you that there was a man named Jesus from Nazarene who was a rabbi or a teacher, and he offered teachings. And that's just historical fact in general. And, but even then, there's so much evidence for the resurrection of Jesus in the accounts from the disciples, even in accounts from other places besides the Bible. Yeah. Which is really cool. And I, I think it's pretty interesting that, though that's where the similarities end, I think it's really interesting that these other religions that have nothing to do with what Christ stood for, because it's pretty clear, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, even into the the epistles and the letters, it talks about what Jesus stands for. And I think it's really interesting that these um, oxymoronic religions of Christianity like have nothing in common with them still give up the like the fact, yep, this dude Jesus, he was real and he had good teachings. And Buddhism right. does it, Islam does it, yeah. even though it's it's against the pillars of what they believe. Right. And I was actually just having a conversation with somebody recently about why why Judaism has not accepted Jesus as the Messiah. And I I had talked about, well, one, anybody Anybody is going, they're, they're always going to be skeptics. People are always going to find a reason not to believe. But the timing of the coming of Christ and his resurrection and the fulfillment of the prophecies lines up so well. Because like when in Jesus's time, the Jewish people, the people of Israel, they were following all of these 613 laws yeah. of the Torah. But today they don't have the ability to follow all the 613 laws of the Torah. Like there's no temple. And I think I checked and they can only follow like 360 yeah, they something. They can't make sacrifices over the uh, Holy of Holies anymore. Right. And so the timing of Jesus just seems just so perfect as it, I mean, in God, God's timing is always perfect, but the fact of the, the switch from uh, pre Christianity, Judaism to uh, Christianity with Jesus just flowed so easily because in uh, as Christians and as Gentiles, we have uh, in Acts, when during the Council of Jerusalem, they met to talk about what laws the Gentiles would be required to follow because for the Jews following the 613 laws, I was just kind of, you know, their entire culture and yep. it was ingrained into them. But they were talking about, you know, do, does this does the burden of all these laws need to follow on the Gentiles? And it was, uh, I believe it was James who brought up uh, four laws that would be the ones to follow as Gentiles that we follow today, that of uh, do, uh, do, not, do not offer sacrifices to idols, do not drink blood, abstain from acts of fornications and immoral behavior, and... There was one more I'm blinking on it right now, but it was similar to something with idolatry, but the anti-fantastic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But 
that is what we have to follow today. But without Jesus, you can't, I mean, you can't follow all those laws today. Yeah. So yeah, just the timing, God's timing was perfect. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. But I was I was thinking about this topic that we were going to uh, go over this week, and I saw this one thing on TikTok. I don't get all my I don't get all my information from TikTok, but <laughs> I saw, and it was a debate on another podcast where it talks about well, besides the prophecies, and what other like obviously Isaiah fifty three, but what other places is Jesus mentioned? And it's right. funny because. Obviously, it says in John, like in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. But in the Old Testament, in the pages itself, you can find him as early as Proverbs. Right, where it talks about the sun. Yeah, so I, I can read yeah. it to you here. And I, I have some uh, background. So Proverbs chapter 30, verses 3 and 4, it says, I have not learned wisdom, nor have I attained to the knowledge of the Holy One. But in Hebrew, where it says Holy One, I don't know what the translation this is. I'm on BibleGateway.com. But the word in Hebrew is plural. Like they say, the word Elohim is plural. Right. So the say, it's not the same word, but it means plural. So it's referring to Holy Ones. Yeah. Said, Who has gone up to heaven and come down? Mm. Who has done that? Jesus. Not that many people. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the transfiguration. <laughs> Who has uh, whose hands have gathered up the wind and who's wrapped up the waters in the cloak? Who has uh, authority over the wind and the waves? Jesus. Jesus. Now, who um, who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is the name of his son? Right. Surely you know. Yeah. I think that is fantastic. Yeah. It's definitely. so cool. And I've read I've read Proverbs three or four times and I've never caught that before. But um, yeah, I just think it's really interesting. And whenever I mean, we were talking about Jewish culture. Whenever they um, go back and they and they say that you know these prophecies aren't evidence for Jesus being the Messiah, I look at this and I'm like, I really don't understand how, because these are stories written taken straight out of the Gospels right. that are referenced in Proverbs. Exactly, and even uh, in we even get mention of it in Isaiah. And I was uh, when I was talking with this one person, they were talking about uh, one of the prophecies that they did, that. Jewish community today doesn't feel that Jesus fulfilled was bringing complete peace. And what I brought to saying, what I brought to them was saying that Jesus brought the peace, but the people didn't accept it. Mm. And Jesus, the avenue to right? The peace. Jesus brought the way to peace. Like he's saying, I am the way you want to, you want to have peace, follow me. I am yep. the way. But I mean, the Jewish, many of the Jewish culture back then did not believe in that. And so they rejected that piece also because they, their interpretations of what their Messiah was going to look like was some, you know, warlord on a great stallion with yep. a great sword, you know, laying waste and siege to the Roman empire. It's kind of ironic <laughs> because, but, you know, yeah. he, he, go, he goes in, like I've been reading Luke recently. And I think it's funny because Jesus drops bombs Oh yeah, with these people talking to him. He's very... <laughs> He drops bombs whenever he's talking to these people. And it's kind of, it's funny to watch and, or not really, not really watch, but read because you're like, well, they did think he was going to be some warrior king who was going to come in and release them from Roman oppression. But the man rode in Jerusalem on a donkey's foal. <laughs> right. And we celebrate yeah. Palm Sunday and it's this glorious, magnificent thing. It's, I have, I have memories of Sunday church the Sunday before Easter growing up. And I was like, wow, it's so cool. Like Jesus rode into the, on a donkey. But then you think about like what the stereotype was for their Messiah back then. Right. Like, this is what we wanted. And they didn't get it, which made them even more upset, let alone the mention of like Jesus dropping bombs and yeah. making them look stupid. And even then, uh, specifically with the donkey, uh, during that time, because it was during the celebration of Passover, the place, the road that Jesus rode the donkey in on, that specific road was meant for people to actually walk on two feet. So like paraplegics or people that couldn't walk, they were uh, they were excused from it. But the idea of that during Passover, walking into the holy city on two feet, and Jesus tore this down by riding in on a donkey. Wow. And it just, I mean, it just continues to go to show just how just completely flipped everything Jesus yeah. was doing. Just because at that time, uh, the Jewish people had lost the spirit of the law and Jesus had to come in and say, well, yes, you were given these laws, but I mean, you're supposed to pull more from this. Like, like, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy that, you know, you're not going around murdering people every day, but I mean, you let anger fester in your heart towards people as you go to sleep yeah. and it follows you into the morning. And this was just 
it was just not with them at this time. Because, I mean, if we look at the Pharisees and Sadducees, they had a lot of pent-up anger That's about Jesus. True. And I remember the story when uh, Jesus, I believe, he returned to Nazareth and he did a reading from Isaiah. Like he was reading in the in the in the tabernacle or the temple and he started reading, but then he started preaching and proclaiming that he is the son, that he is the Messiah. And then he almost got the, that temple was mad. So they Mm -hmm. took him to the edge of the cliff and they were going to tell him to jump off to enact the law of Moses. Yeah. But Jesus was like, not doing this today. (laughs) This is not how it is. Yeah. But <clears throat> it's, super cool. It's I also just find it so strange because this man walks up offering peace, prosperity, and salvation to all, not even just the Jewish people. Because that was another thing, because Jesus was starting to talk to Gentiles. I mean, the first person that he revealed himself to be the Messiah was the Samaritan woman at the well. Yeah. And revealed that you don't have to worship in the holy city or at the temple you can worship here you can worship everywhere yeah and kind of strut like kind of like uh, tearing down the walls that they have that they have built up of tradition that right. wasn't necessarily like needed right in order for the worship of god exactly almost almost idolatry yeah almost <laughs> yeah so i i thought and i was thinking about this more and more and i wanted to think of things that jesus said that you can like relate to other facets of our life. And whenever he says, I am the way, the truth in the life. And I think about how often human beings as a whole will delve into the Bible and they'll be like, I'm just looking for the truth. (laughs) Whenever the truth is plain and simple and it it is, it is put out on the page. Jesus is the truth. Right. So his, his teachings are what is really important. Now I'm not saying the rest of the Bible is invalid. I love the Bible. (laughs) It's a great book. It's, yeah, it's, the it's best pretty good. Book. It's pretty good. It's pretty it's good. The book. best book. But when you think I am the way, the truth, and the life, you also think of new people um, or people with new sorts of ideologies saying, "Oh, well, the teachings of Jesus they can be." I don't want to use the word perverted, but I want to say changed into like new age thinking, mm. which I've seen a huge problem with. And I, I saw this piece by you know John Piper is. Uh, I do not. Okay, well he's a he's a great theologian. Okay, I would seriously consider looking 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 him up. But yeah. Um, someone asked him if he had like any new thoughts, like if he's ever come across the Bible and he was like, um, like saw something out of the thing that like, saw something out of the scripture that was new. And he said, I certainly hope not because the truth is very old and the truth is unchanging, mm. which brings me into like thinking about all of these people who go as atheists trying to disprove Jesus and then delving into the truth right. and then finding out. And a great example of that would be the case for Christ by right. Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel. Yeah. A man. I hope that made sense. Yeah, that, no, that, that yeah, that made sense. Okay. But yeah, Lee Strobel is a excellent example of a hardcore atheist turned, you know, theist book writer. Yep. And uh, for those that don't know the story in the seventies, he was a writer for Chicago tribunal, big paper and his wife, became a Christian after an event with their daughter and that drove him up the wall mad. Bonkers. And so he went on this long quest to try and disprove Christ and disprove the resurrection because at because it is understood that Jesus existed. So we couldn't disprove Jesus existing. Mm-hmm. He just needed to disprove the resurrection. And he, over over the journey and talking with uh, theologians, professors, pastors, atheists, bunch of different people. He just came to a point of where the it's just undeniable. The truth is undeniable. Yeah. And he he gave up gave up himself to God. And now he's written multiple books, most famously Case for Christ. He's also written a really great book, Case for Heaven, mm-hmm. where he interviewed people that were clinically dead, but then came back and their experiences. But it's just so great that when you take the time to dive in and find the truth, truth is going to find you and it's going to flip you around. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is honestly just such a great story. Yeah. And it's a real testament to seeking for the truth and finding it and it finding you. Yeah. A lot of people don't believe in the story of Jesus because they refuse to believe it. Right. And they have this idea of, well, nobody can be raised from the dead. Like, 
well, yeah, nobody can be raised from the dead, but Jesus can be raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the idea because yes, God was, Jesus was fully man and fully God, excuse me, but at the same time, he had, he had the power to do that. And that we can't put him in that box of, if we put him in the box of just a man, then he can't do any of the divine works. If we put him yeah. in the box of just God, he can't die. Yeah. And so you, it, he doesn't fit in a box of our understanding. Like the first verse that you and I were talking about, uh, Second Chronicles six eighteen, not the heaven nor or the, the heaven highest of heaven heavens. of heavens can contain God, much less the house of which I have built. Which is so cool. Yeah, and it just points to the fact of God is just still surprising. And what you're saying uh, about finding there is not new truth, but the truth offers new insights because we, there are things that happen in the world today that are not laid out in scripture because this is a very different world today, but we use that. We use the truth of scripture to guide us in the insights and the spirit of what it's saying. So like there are not many, uh, like I was talking about with somebody, you know, uh, scripture says, treat the body like a temple. Yeah. Right. And I was talking with somebody and relating to, uh, you know, the body is a temple. And so you're not going to put drugs in it. You're not going to smoke and or at least you add should. that into the temple. And he was saying, well, this scripture only applies, you know, it was in the context of, of your sexual, like immorality. Yes. Yeah, sexual immorality. I said, but I mean, what Jesus, if we only looked at the letter of what was stated, then we'd be missing out on so much. I mean, that was one of the th- reasons that Jesus came is said, yes, this was the letter of the law, but you're supposed to get the spirit of the law. Because if I have, if, if he had to lay out every single do and don't for us, of course, then yeah. we would just be robots following a rule book. But Jesus doesn't want that for us. No, he, he wants doesn't. us he to wants understand. Yeah. And he wants us to understand the spirit of what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, th- I think in saying that, um, the under our understanding is at a either ho- all time high or an all time low, mm-hmm. and you have to find like a happy medium there because you can take liberties out of the scripture. And I found I think it's in Second Peter where it talks about how um, towards the end times there will be false teachers who will go into the scripture and they were they will pervert it and they will pull things out of it that aren't there. And that's more than I'm warning against. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what John Piper, the guy who I referenced, that's who I think he's talking about too. Mm. The truth is very old. People have misunderstood it over time. Like they were yeah. able to use the Bible to advocate for slavery, slavery. in right. certain areas. <clears throat> and they were also able to use the Bible where Free Methodist College to if you don't know the story of the Free Methodist Church, it was they were against slavery, which is why mm-hmm. they split away from the regular Methodist Church. Right. Um, so now it's our job to find the the truth in the pudding of of the scripture. It's right. our job to see, not necessarily make it our truth, because there is a truth, a right. truth that the Bible is trying to give out. And I don't think that's different for a bunch of people or, or different people rather. Right. And that actually that reminds me of a quote from my papa. Now, this was a quote he said all time during his presidency here. All truth is God's truth. Yeah. And it's it's really interesting. We talked about it in my theology class because that can be scary for some people because like we said the Bible is truth, but there are a lot of things that the Bible doesn't cover yeah. that are still true or like truth. Of course. And it's this idea that Jesus is the truth. And so where we find truth is where we find God and where we find Jesus because he is the embodiment of what truth is. Yeah, which leads us back to Lee Strobel once again. I mean, his book is one of the greatest examples of of the fact, like we said earlier, that Christ is real. He was a real person. He died on the cross. He rose again, and we have faith that he's coming back again. Right. And, you know, he believed Now he didn't necessarily pray like the Bible says, like ask and you shall receive knock and the door will be open. He didn't necessarily pray for the knowledge, but he went into God's word searching for the knowledge and he found the truth. Right. So a lot of people make their opinions based upon one piece of scripture, don't know about context. They don't know about um, the surrounding story. They'll just say, oh, well, this says this. So this is the way that I'm going to believe. And it's rooted in the Bible when in all reality, it's rooted in your understanding of what the Bible says. Mm. And I think context is a huge part. Right. And another thing that is just so 
different and revolutionary is that at the at the time and even with today religions were very like self identifying with peoples or cultures yeah so like before jesus it was the jewish people's religion it was the it was the it was Israel was God's chosen people. Mm -hmm. And then you have some of these other big religions that are very centered around culture, but Jesus is just spreading. He wants to spread the truth and he, he like, he's not going to gatekeep. He's not trying to hold the truth behind. He not. said, I want to reach every soul on this planet. And if we think to, you know, there were originally 12 and now we're at almost 2.2 billion people on the world. That's over a quarter of the earth's population that have submitted their lives to Christ yeah. and submitted to the truth. Yeah. And I also, I find it funny when uh, people try to get a gotcha moment with scripture, like it, somebody that doesn't believe tries to get a gotcha on somebody and their lack of the knowledge of scripture, because we have different times of, people trying to prove, well, well, the Bible says this about this certain topic, or it says this, or, well, if you look in this really specific place, and if you look at these three words of this one verse, mm -hmm. <laughs> it says this. And, but the lack of knowledge and pursuit in it keeps them blind are blinding themselves to the truth. They don't want to look. They just want to have their own opinions. Lee Strobel, though, he had an academic mind. And so he wanted to pursue it academically by digging as deep as he could through every avenue he could. And I mean, not all of us have the ability to go as deep or connected as Lee Strobel did, but we have the book in front of us. That's true. And it, I mean, it's just, it's so revealing and compelling. Like if you, like we talk about people quote Leviticus for any number of reasons, for any number of laws no and kidding. honestly on both sides yeah, and like Christians and non-Christians. And honestly, it annoys me so much because then when they talk about, well, if you're following this, why aren't you following this? Or if you don't follow this, why do you, why do you follow this law in Leviticus? And I'm just like, just keep on reading. Yeah. <laughs> like, understand the text. Don't just shout it out. Right. Like, I mean, when I mentioned it before talking about the council of Jerusalem, it's literally laid out the laws that we have to follow as Gentiles. And it's, yeah. it's just right there. You just have to read. And the truth that the Bible produces, it can, it can be broader, but depending on what is in your heart, it can be so specific that it's just like yeah. a no brainer, like of whatever you're going through. Yeah. And, and like I said, the proof is definitely in the pudding. Mm -hmm. If you take a look at even just the ways, um, I, I, I saw another TikTok recently that was talking about how the disciples, if if the story isn't true, the disciples sat around a fire and they <laughs> said, I have an idea, guys. Let's make up this grand story and try to spread it around knowing that we're going to get flogged, thrown in prison. Uh, some killed, of us yeah, killed, murdered, crucified upside down. Some of us yeah. uh, skinned alive and boiled in oil. And yep. then we don't dismiss it. <laughs> as we're dying how does that sound they all laugh and they go on but really that is a that is a fantastic question that you can ask say well obviously the bible talks about um christ rising from the dead but what other proof do we have and i i beg the question like why would somebody die for a hoax right and and you go around and you look up like how what were the ways that the 12 apostles died and not one of them peter peter was was um Whenever Jesus rose again, he said, go tell the 12 disciples that I'm alive and tell Peter. He he uh, specified Peter because the guy denied him three times right. on, on the day of crucifixion. Mm -hmm. This guy died and refused to die in the same way as Christ. He was mm -hmm. crucified upside down because he didn't want to die in the same way as his Lord and did not one time denounce his faith and his belief because they were there when it happened. Yeah, and it is... I mean, I'm looking right now at the ways different disciples died. I mean, yeah, Peter crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy to be killed in the same way that Jesus was killed. Paul was beheaded. Andrew sent to the land of man eaters. Uh, wow. Yeah. And just the like <laughs> most of these people were put, a lot of them were put to violent death. Matthew stabbed to death. Uh all of them, most of them martyred James, stoned, and then clubbed to death. And we think about Stephen, Stephen just being, uh, proclaiming 
his testimony in front of the Sanhedrin and then getting stoned, but just standing there, just saying, Lord Jesus, take me home. It just w- like smiling in his heart. And <laughs> to think that if, if it was not true that death was just the end, just boom, no existence, you are not, there's no afterlife, like the way that the other people believed at that point. Yeah. They literally have nothing to gain, but they have everything to gain because they know the reward that awaits them in heaven and they have that ingrained on their hearts. And even just to be so, to be so sure, I mean, all of them saw Jesus and there were like, I think over like 500 witnesses that attested to seeing Jesus under penalty of like death. Yeah. Like they didn't have a reason to lie. Like there was no, nothing gaining besides death and they were afraid. So they just wanted to tell the truth. They're just like, I don't know what you want to hear, but I'm just going to tell you what I saw. This is the truth. Right. And I'm just going to tell you the truth that I saw. Yeah. And with all these people just giving accounts and attesting to it, like it is hard to find people (laughs) crazy enough willing to die to a belief that they know to be a lie. Like that is not something you see. You see people pulling out at the last second, just like, well, actually, we were just trying to can make a conspiracy and uh, fool the world. But now these these disciples, these people, they knew in their hearts, with their eyes, by faith, that Jesus rose from the dead, and it was the greatest thing because they knew. I mean, they knew that he was the Messiah, and they had no doubt in their mind that they were going to join him in heaven. Oh yeah, they knew. I, I was reading Peter earlier today, and I can't find it. I've been trying, but I can't find it. It talks about how we're not just saying this stuff; like we actually witnessed Christ with our own eyes, which is why we're willing to go through these these perilous things. Mm-hmm. And if you compare that to the the average teaching of today. And I know we talked about, you know, the dawn of creation and evolution last week in, 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 in um, evolution a little bit. But if you look at the rate of depression among teens and among young adults, as since the 60s, evolution has grown in, in, in um, schools like they've been teaching it more. It is astronomical because mm. these people believe that there is no point. Right. And also that just goes to show like. If you don't believe in like a higher thing or that if really just everything is just, well, I'm just a tiny speck in the universe. And when I die, I'm going to turn into nothing. So what does it really matter? Sounds like just such a sad way to live in general. Like even, even if, I mean, they weren't, but even if they were living for a lie, they were happy. They were joyful. They were filled with the joy of the spirit of knowing the truth. And that was worth everything because to them, they wasn't just a speck. It was God's speck in the universe. We Which still, is. relative to size, we still may be a physical speck in this giant universe that God has created for us, but we are his speck. Yeah. And that means something. Yeah. I've, really means I've, something. I think you've probably been to these conversations before where people talk about their parents and they were like, oh, well, I wasn't exactly planned, so I was a mistake. Mm. Well, if you take the um, doctrine of the world and say, Oh, don't worry about it. We were all mistakes and none of this really matters anyway. There's no point to life. People will say, well, I make my own point to life, but then the opposite is equally true because if you make your own point, your own point still has no point versus Mm. what we say at the basis of their argument is, Oh, I was a mistake. No, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah which is smack in the face. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. You were fearfully mm-hmm. and wonderfully made. The people listening, you were all fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Don't doubt that. Yeah. That is something I just, I also, this is, this is really for you guys listening. All of you are amazing, unique, personal creations of God. Like God says, they wrote, he wrote our days from when we were in our mother's womb. And so before, you know, you breathe the first breath of life, God had made you beautifully and wonderfully in his image. And that is something special for all of us. And so, yes, we, if we think we, not all of us are going to have the largest effect on a global scale, but we can, we can still make a lot of really great things happen today in our worlds. Like, I mean, what Jordan and I are trying to do, like we're trying to start, podcast where we can spread our joy of being filled with the truth absolutely to all of you guys and to offer ways of understanding scripture 
as you know fellow college students or even if even if you're older and still just trying to figure some of this stuff out that's what we're doing that's a lot of the point yeah and i mean that's the same thing that the apostles did Mm -hmm. i was in my uh, coaching football class earlier and coach jacoby maxwell was talking about offense and he said you have to have a purpose for the offense that you run you have to have a why because if you don't believe in what your your vision of it, if you don't believe in what you're trying to um, produce out of your offense, people won't believe you either. Mm. You have to live it out. You have to you have to have a vision. You have to explain why. And that's what the apostles did. That's why you know Christianity is a successful thing today. Obviously, there were there were bumps in the road along the way, but that's what they did. They believed it, and we believe it, which is why we're able to reach out and why like our words have meaning. Right. How how many monotonous um, evolution teachers are just like, yeah, it's kind of depressing, but this is the truth. Versus we are here and we love the word and we're talking about how we are all fearfully and wonderfully made and that Jesus was a real person who lived for you, who died for you, and who is coming back again for you. It's quite It's quite a big difference. Right. And, you know, looking at people's outside perspective on Jesus So a lot of the times, you know, when Christians are quoting reasons for Jesus' resurrection, we just go straight to the Bible, but not not everybody accepts that Bible as the truth. But there are other ways that we can know Jesus to be true. One of them by a man named Josephus, and he's really big in uh, his writings of... his writings of Jesus. I'm going to read this for you. So this is written by a man named Josephus, who this is not in the Bible, but this is an account that has survived thousands of years. Not, not my roommate. Right. <laughs> About this time lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man, for he was the achiever of extraordinary deeds and was a teacher of those who accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the Messiah. When he was indicted by the principal men among us, and Pilate condemned him to be crucified. Those who had come to love him originally did not cease to do so, for he appeared to them on the third day restored to life, as the prophets of the deity had foretold these and countless other marvelous things about him. And the tribe of the Christians, so named after him, has not disappeared to this day. And so that is written by man uh, manuscripts from Josephus from yeah. the Antiquities. If you want, you can look that up. There's tons more about that kind of stuff. But other there are other sources out there that let us know that Jesus was real, that he existed, and that there are testimonies from so many. And part of what the gos- what some of the gospels did is like Mark, like Mark, we don't know to be one of the disciples, but a scribe or somebody who wanted to recount all of the stories and write it down for people like just as history, like today, taking notes on current events, like this was what he was doing. And so he was taking the accounts from people. He was seeing things happen and getting these accounts of resurrection and healings. And it's, I, the more I talk about it, the more I'm filled with just happiness of oh, just yeah. knowing that it's just, it's true. Like, I mean, of course, in times of life, we have, you know, like the disciples did, we have times where we feel doubtful for whatever reason. We're just like, man, I just, I really don't know. Or like we start asking hard questions that really make us question, question things. Like, I mean, I've been researching Job and it explores the topic of why bad things happen to good people. Yeah which is super hard and dense topic. One for another day. Yeah. (laughs) But part of it is the trust in God and his ways and that he has everything rightfully worked out for the betterment of us all and for the eventual coming of Christ and for us coming into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Another example of, like you said, you mentioned Josephus. There was another example of writings Anyway, so this guy, um, his name is Tacitus, the Roman historian, and he was a senator. Uh, he referred to Jesus and his execution by Pontius Pilate in a letter to, like, p- pretty much the greater Rome, mm. and it talked to, and it refers to him as Christo. And this guy right. is a guy who had nothing to do. Like, he was from Rome. I mean, Jerusalem was under Roman 
um, jurisdiction and it was yeah. a part of the Roman Empire. But that means that this guy's influence was felt all the way back there. And um, it talked about how Nero, like they blamed Christians for the burning of the city. And that's why Nero had a hate for Christians. And yet another testament to they believe the truth and they weren't scared of the truth. So they were mm. fine with um you know, lighting up the gardens of Nero at night, as they as they say, you know, what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, those of you who don't know, this guy, Emperor Nero lived, um, I think he was the second Caesar after Jesus. OK, because I think Augustus Caesar yeah. was a Caesar with Jesus. During, and then yeah. after was Nero. Yeah. As the, the, the spread of Christianity. Was right. Going on. Yeah. And um, so basically there was a there was a catastrophic fire that um damaged a large part of Rome and he blamed the Christians for it just because they were a scapegoat, I guess. Hmm. And uh, they said that he used to burn them alive to light up his gardens at night. He had a hate oh, for yeah, them. I remember that. And once again, it's terrible, but it is a testament to the fact that these people knew what they believed. They knew it was the truth and they didn't fear death. Right. And uh, that kind of just sparks another thing with scripture is that, so like Lee Strobel committed atheist turned Christian. We see that also in scripture. One of the greatest examples, Paul formerly saw murderer and persecutor of Christians oh, yeah. who had an encounter with God that completely changed him. And he, he is a big reason, big key to the spreading of the gospel message because he wrote letters to different churches around the Mediterranean area that then got later copied and continued to spread and spread. Yep. And we see Jesus and even in the Old Testament, people that, you know, had no no status or were even against God at some points being used to be the examples of how God can change our hearts mm -hmm. and turn us around for the better. The least of these. Right. Yeah. And I'm just, I know you guys can't see me, but I'm just smiling, just keeping on thinking about oh, yeah, all I can of this. See it. I can attest. <laughs> so I guess the challenge then, um, us knowing that it's truth is then to go on living the truth, mm. which is, you know, you gotta, you gotta get on one step to step to the other. And generally the hardest part is getting onto that second step. People try their entire lives to live like Jesus, which you know, I've said the truth is in the in the pudding. You got to find it. You got to understand like how the Lord wants you to live your life. He sent his son as an example. He has his apostles as an example. These people lived and they died in the name of Jesus. And I think it's super important that we try to, you know, imitate that. Right. And this was a this is something that I used when I was a su summer counselor, camp counselor at a Christian camp, explaining kind of how the walk of Jesus looks as we are on, we're on kind of like a balance beam. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is at the end of this balance beam. Now, when, you know, the idea is that when you're walking a balance beam, you don't want to fall off. You want to stay perfectly still, but the disciples made mistakes and as you're walking this balance beam of finding the truth, you may slip a couple times, but this balance beam is like four inches off the ground. That's yeah. why like even the word sin like stems from archery terms yeah. of missing the mark. Yes. Like, yes, it's not good that when we sin, but when we sin, we just, we miss the mark. Yeah. We, we misstepped a little bit. We made a mistake and yes, sin separates us from Jesus, but that is, reconciling and repenting from sin is part of the journey yeah and that when we are walking this journey all of our balance beams look a little bit different because god has different things laid out for us but they all end up in the same spot and as we walk these we use each other to help us balance like use us with accountability like what me and jordan have been doing like using each other to build into our theological understandings and into our understandings of scripture by balancing off of each other when we get confused or when we mm -hmm. have questions and but keeping our eyes on the truth like when you're when you're driving on a bridge you're not looking at the guardrails uh making sure you don't hit the guardrails because if you just keep on doing that then you're going to drift exactly. but if you drive keeping your eyes focused on the road ahead towards christ towards the truth 
then you'll be fine. And like, that's part of the big thing of what we're saying is that the Bible just has the truth. You just have Mm -hmm. to look. There's you a, just there's have a to read. There's a sermon in that, for sure. Yeah. Keep your eyes on the prize. Yeah. I am um, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Hebrews 11, and riddled throughout Hebrews 11, it taught that that chapter. Obviously, the book of Hebrews is written to the Hebrews, right? To prove Jesus, and uh, Hebrews 11 really gets to the point of these are all your heroes of the Old Testament. This is what they did to prove their faith. It's also called the faith chapter. Mm-hmm. This is what they did to prove their faith. And it goes on. I could I could bring it up here really quickly. Um, but basically, like other examples would be Samson. The guy had his eyes gouged out before yeah. he realized the truth, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So I guess um, I'm just looking at Hebrews here. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. There's a lot more examples, like I said, throughout the chapter and throughout the rest of the Bible. But um, – I think it's I think it's a testament to closing your eyes. You know, the Prince of Egypt has mm-hmm. that song and it's you got to look at your life through heaven's eyes. Oh yeah. And that guy Jethro, movie. he's so happy. <laughs> so happy in that song. And it really it does it does just bring pure joy whenever you listen to it. Right. Also, also if you've not seen that Prince of Egypt story of Moses, amazing. Amazing. Soundtrack bussin. Amazing. Fire. <laughs> it is it's it's got one of the best soundtracks. Yeah, and for a late 90s movie, it's really uh, has stood the test of time. So anyway, seeing, right? Mm-hmm. And the last question I, w- I would I would ask before we wrap up here is, what is stopping the world from believing in Jesus? I mean, we are so sure about it. I'm referencing Hebrews 11, mm-hmm. assurance, um, confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I think that the world isn't sure because their eyes are open. Mm. What do you think? How I would respond to that is part of the choosing not to believe is the fear of knowing. Like I've even, I've been guilty of this sometimes of not wanting to look, to dive into the scripture to try and answer a hard question or to try and come to an understanding because I mean, it can be, it can be a scary thing for a lot of people, uh, especially with, if we look at extreme converts like Paul, like going from Saul to Paul, like he went from a, he changed lifestyles really quickly for some people. I mean, it's, it's easier. They just, they live a good life and then mm-hmm. they find Jesus and they continue to live a better life. Other people, they come from different backgrounds that have completely different truths taught. And it can be scary finding the truth because like, yes, the truth the truth sets us free, but it also, it convicts us. Yeah. It, it, it takes us down to a level of you are not going to get into heaven because of all the good things you did. You are going to get into heaven because you recognized your sins, asked for forgiveness and followed me. Yeah. Like that's again, just what's so different about a lot of the other religions and understandings of that. Oh, well, if I'm, if I'm just good enough or if I can, do all these amazing things, then I'll be worthy yeah. of it. Like, but we're not. It's based on hope. I, I, um, quick caveat whenever we went on the Theo field trip mm. to St. Louis, we were in the mosque and the, uh, I guess, mosque Imam. Imam. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the name of him. His, his title will give him his respect he deserves. Mm-hmm. He, um, was talking about how our religions aren't so different. And I was thinking, I was like, really? Like, I mean, I think they're kind of different. Yours is a work-based religion. Ours is, um, you know, based. It's not based on our works that we are saved. It's based on our faith. Right. You have to believe. And I kind of brought that up. I was like, well, no, they're not really all that similar. You believe that you are saved by your works. And the basis of our religion is that whoever would believe in him is saved. Mm. It doesn't say that it says literally in the words, it's not by works that you are saved. Right. So it's it's different at its basis. Maybe a few of the same names, but it's not the same. Yeah. And even then like going going through a transition or a conversion of stepping into faith is a journey that can be hard to start because when you start this journey, you want to have someone that you can go to. Yeah. And for some people, they don't have anybody that they feel safe that they can go to to explore this. They don't know how to go about it. And so a lot of the reasons that I see for not choosing to uh, step into it is for the fear. I mean, like even Jesus said, like, yes, I've got, I've 
come for peace, but I've come to set father against son, to set mother against daughter, yeah. daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Like this was like he he knew full well that this was going to cause rifts, that this was going to split people. And it can be really hard because depending on how you grow up or in what type of lifestyle you're raised in, finding the truth of walking with Christ, it can, there's fear of separation from those that you love and it, it can be really hard. But so I would say probably the biggest, the biggest reason people choose not to is for fear of the truth and what the truth will do. Yeah. Even if they know in their hearts that it's the right thing, it is still really hard. And so that's what, I mean, that's part of what our job as people who have found Jesus and have taken comfort in knowing that we are saved by him are, he wants us to spread that joy and that love to those, to those that feel like afraid to speak even the name of Jesus, like in countries today where following this can get you killed still today in 2023, in the 21st century, you can get killed for practicing Christianity in certain places in the world. Oh yeah. And so it's our job to be that loving, helping hand to help pull someone up out and bring their hand close to Jesus. I've had conversations where um, Jordan Peterson is referenced, you know, the renowned psychologist Jordan Peterson. I think I've heard of him. Well, anyway, he recently has found the undeniable truth that Jesus is the Lord. He's found that and he believes it but he refuses to live it out because of how much it would have to change his life. Mm. He says, I know that this is the truth, but I, I cannot live it. I cannot become a Christian because I would have to completely change the way that I live. He's not an immoral person, but he realizes he's always been a person. And that's another one. I would, I would uh, encourage you to go look up and listen to some of the stuff he says because he's brilliant, but that's one of the things that's one of the things he uh, brings up. So if I could answer my own question on what, is stopping people from believing in Jesus. I think there's two things. I I totally agree with you. You're right. So I'll add this three things. Okay. I will say number one is a lack of wanting to change. Mm. I think people are so stuck in their ways and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are, you know, they, they can attest to this. Yeah. Those examples. They're so stuck in their ways. They refuse to believe differently. And I just mentioned Jordan Peterson. It's not that, he refuses to, it's that he can't, or he would have to change. And that's what it begs. People don't want to change. People are happy that the way they are. They're comfortable with the way they are and they don't want to go outside their bubble of comfort and understanding. Well, I mean, Peter says a dog returns to his vomit and a washed pig returns to the mud. (laughs) So that that's in reference to people going into Christianity and then coming back to the slop on the outside, coming back to the relapse. Yeah. So I think that's one reason people just don't want to change. And I think the other one is bad examples of Christians on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely, I, I see that. I see that too often with Christians not understanding scripture and using, I mean, like you, we talked about earlier, Christians claiming to be Christians using the Bible and holding that up to prove slavery and people just setting a bad example of, what Christ is because as Christians, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to hold up a mirror that reflects Christ's light to others. We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to produce our own light. We're supposed to reflect God's light and people get very self-centered in their idea of this is my truth and this is how I see it. Or, you know, acts of hate instead of love or acts of anger and aggression and hypocrisy and, it's 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 really sad, and that's definitely a, a turn off for a lot of people because yeah. they say, "Well, you know, I tried going to this church, but they they kicked me out." Yeah, and it's just, I mean, it breaks my heart hearing of a church that's supposed to be a place of community and togetherness and love and fellowship, mm-hmm. kicking out somebody because of this idea that they are holier than thou. Yeah, and yeah, which is a massive problem. <sighs> yeah. I've seen it, and I've had the, I've had actually a conversation where someone asked me, they said, are we sure that hypocrisy is a problem of people outside of the church? And it's not just us look like uh, with eyes looking in on ourselves saying Mm. we're a bunch of hypocrites. I think honestly, it's a little bit of both. I think 
if you ask someone who's an atheist, you say, why? He'll say, well, I refuse to believe that a loving God can allow all this horrible stuff to happen. Right. And I refuse to believe that a loving family of Christians will allow all of these horrible things to happen within the church right. and over history. Like right. we mentioned slavery. We mentioned, um, obviously, there's a lot of other things. Oh, yeah. But hypocrisy is massive. Mm-hmm. Is because people refuse to change their ways and right. to try to live like Jesus. And I think that is what we are striving for. Right. That is what we need to be striving for. Yeah. And that's just part of the whole thing of the scripture being the truth and revealing the truth. And that when you seek for it, it finds you. Jesus finds you through the scripture. Yes. And it, I mean, it's it's right here for us. Now, learning how to read the scripture in a way that you come to understand it. I mean, that looks different. Like for me, I started journaling and I've gotten much deeper understandings than just reading because yeah. I'm not a good reader. I honestly like I can I can read. I have a reading level, but reading is hard for me. But when I read the scripture, I'm fulfilled and by journaling or whatever method you can just gain so much understanding and the truth will find you and the truth will set you free. Yeah. I love the analogy that Paul uses run the race. Mm. I think people on the outside of the people of the world, and I even think people in the church and you and I need to learn to stay in our lane a little better. Yeah. And staying in our lane is living like Jesus, believing it. Mm -hmm. You can't run backwards in this race. Nope. You can stay still or you can go forward. And our race is a relay. We're trying to pick up as many people. That's facts. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> well, I think we've covered a lot of really good stuff here today. Yes, sir. So we're going to have another episode out next week. Like I said, if you didn't catch last week, our first episode was on the creation account. And you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and if anybody still uses it, Pandora. And way to get to that, follow our Instagram at Theo underscore thoughts dot podcast and click the link in our bio. You can get all of that and you can get up to date information. We make other posts of scripture, of little snippets from the podcast. So yeah, check that out, share it, like, follow, and we will talk with you guys next week. Love y'all. Adios. God, God bless. bless.